The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Samaritas, the state's largest private foster care and adoption agency. However, Samaritas also provides a number of other services around the state. They are one of the largest refugee resettlement agencies in Michigan. They serve homeless families, persons with disabilities, abused and trafficked women. They also provide market rate and affordable housing for seniors and HUD housing for families and also have skilled nursing, memory care and rehab communities in Grand Rapids, Cadillac and Saginaw. Samaritas, we thank them for their support here at Deadline Detroit. Hey everybody, happy Thursday. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. So glad to have you with me on this day. Coming up a little bit later on in the program, we do have a lot to talk about today. Some of it has to do with politics, some of it has to do with business, especially our hometown automotive business, which we'll get to in just a little bit. California reached a deal with four different automakers from different continents on new cafe standards, mileage standards for the state, uh, which are well beyond what the Trump administration has been proposing. Auto companies basically saying, we want to go with California. Interesting. We'll talk a bit about that. Also, some final thoughts on what I watched yesterday over seven hours of testimony from Robert Mueller. Did it change anybody's mind? Well, I talked a bit about that yesterday, uh, but I'm a little bit more disappointed in the reaction to it from the media than I am to what he had to say yesterday. So I'll talk a little bit about that. So stick around for the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news. Also, home to Deadline Detroit TV, which includes The Zip, a weekly wrap-up of the week's news with some humor. Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news. Hey, thanks for being here today. I do appreciate you checking out the show, and uh, I also appreciate it when you let others know that we are out here doing this. It all helps. So thanks for the support thus far. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Well, you know, I stumbled across this story this morning. I've been consumed like a lot of people with uh, the Mueller report and, of course, Democratic politics. Well, all the Democrats here yesterday, and we'll get to that maybe tomorrow, I think, uh, on the week that was. But today, I wanted to talk a little bit about a story that I found. Um... And I didn't know that this was going to happen. I did not realize that these negotiations were going on, and I don't think anybody else did either. But apparently, the state of California has been in secret negotiations with a number of companies, Ford, Honda, Volkswagen, and BMW of North America. Secret negotiations over the course of several weeks, taking a look at what mileage standards these companies could live with. Now, you may know that CAFE standards, this is uh, the corporate average fuel economy, the CAFE standards, is something that is typically set by the federal government. But individual states have been able to set their limits for a long time, and California has always had their limits higher. They have been at the forefront of pushing for electric vehicles, hybrids, uh, and, and going for better gas mileage. One, because fuel costs are high in that state. Two, they have a bunch of politicians who actively are trying to have an impact on climate and reduce the amount of carbon emissions going into the air. So California being the liberal state that it is, and I don't understand why the environment is a liberal issue versus a conservative one, but it is, has had higher standards for many, many years. Now, the Trump administration in recent years has really pushed back against that. There was a threat of a lawsuit against the state of California suggesting that California should not be able to set their own standards, that they should have the lower standard that the rest of the federal government and the EPA put out there. And in fact, the Trump administration had been trying to roll back some of the advances that were that were initiated by the Obama administration to get the rest of the country up to where California was. He actively did that. Now, why? 
I don't know, is it an effort to undo everything that Obama did? Is it, a, is it basically a gift to the oil companies who don't want to see more electric vehicles, more hybrids, better gas mileage on the roads? I'm not exactly sure what his rationale was. But he seemed to think that he was going to have allies in the business community around this, that the car companies would like this, and it would play well in places like Michigan and Ohio, where we have a lot of auto manufacturing still and stuff related to that. And of course, places like Texas and Oklahoma, where oil production is high, and Pennsylvania, where oil production is still actually happening, believe it or not. This is something that he thought was going to be seen as like this gift to big business, the people that bankroll his campaign, the people that fund it. But what he didn't seem to realize is that the train has already left the station when it comes to the improvement in gas mileage. When the Obama administration put those rules in place suggesting that we need to get to 55 miles per gallon by a certain year, the auto companies went for it. Look at the investment in electric vehicle technology. Look at the investment in autonomous vehicles. Look at the investment they are putting in and finding ways to not only improve their miles per gallon, but also move people into the idea of buying electric vehicles. They see the writing on the wall. They recognize that the technology is catching up and advancing quickly. They recognize that once people get over range anxiety, they're going to love the idea of an electric vehicle that keeps them from going to the pump. States are already reacting to this change by looking at different ways to fund their roads because gas taxes are going to change. As people buy less gasoline, you're not going to be able to tax gas as much. You're not going to get as much revenue. This is all changing. And the auto companies, in this case, again, Ford, Honda, Volkswagen, and BMW, all negotiating with California and coming up with an agreement on a new standard. And the standard is pretty significant. This is not a small deal. What they're talking about is getting 50 miles per gallon, on average, by 2026. Now, if you would have suggested to anybody 10 years ago that this was doable, they probably would have told you you were insane. But the Obama administration pushed for it anyway. Now, when you ask the auto companies why they're doing this with California as opposed to the federal government and, and pushing to go back to those rules, they don't want to go backwards on this one. This is pushing a drive for innovation. This is pushing a drive for engineering that we haven't seen in this industry in a long time. And the other thing that they're suggesting is, look, we are going to go for the highest regulatory level because we want certainty. We want to know what it is we're shooting for. The moonshot here is not just getting to 50 miles per gallon. It's getting us to basically how many miles per charge. That's what's changing here. People will sign on to electric vehicles. They will sign on to more fuel-efficient vehicles if that's what you put out there. And no matter what sort of troglodytic ideas people have about making sure that we stay addicted to oil and fossil fuels in this country and carbon-based uh, carbon based fuels. I don't understand what's behind that. Other than you're trying to tear something down that the Obama administration put in place, or you think that somehow environmentalism is a liberal idea, or again, you're doing a giveaway to the oil companies. Change is coming. Look at the utility companies, the way that they are ramping up alternative energy production, getting away from coal, getting away from natural gas, moving towards wind power, solar. We're starting to see that in a number of places, including here in Michigan. Whether you think it's fast enough or not, it is happening. They're reaching benchmarks faster and earlier than they thought they could when it comes to the amount of alternative energy production they're doing out there. This is the future. This is the way that it's going. Anybody that says that we're going to make America great again by sticking to the old ways of doing things when it comes to fueling our vehicles, that's just not realistic. 
and it's silly. We're moving ahead on this kind of stuff. And I, one, applaud the companies that said, you know what, we're going to work towards the highest standard, not the low one. You set the bar low, well, there will be some companies that are happy about that, but there will be a number of others that say, you know what, we're going to do this differently. Think about this for just a second. I just saw an article with a prototype Ford Electric F-150 just pulled one million pounds. They had a bunch of train cars filled up. This thing pulled it. It pulled a million pounds, an electric F-150. Now, not for very far, and obviously not everybody's going to need to tow a million pounds ever. But I'll tell you what, what they're showing off is that they have the technology, they have the capability to meet people's needs. And as the charging infrastructure starts to grow around the country, this is going to be the way that it is. So I just wanted to put out there, just take a look at the story. There's one in the Washington Post today. I'm sure it'll be posted some other places later. But again, four companies going out and negotiating directly with California as opposed to waiting for the EPA to roll back the CAFE standards or freeze them in place. That's not moving forward. That's not making anybody great again. That's being stagnant and in denial. Move forward. Stick around. A lot more of the Craig Folly Show coming up. The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services. All right, thanks for checking out the show today. Um, You know, I spent seven hours yesterday almost watching the Mueller hearings, and then I watched a lot of the coverage of the Mueller hearings after they were over yesterday. And if you listened to yesterday's program, you know that I wasn't expecting it to change a lot of people's minds uh, because of how polarized we are in this country. But it was an important exercise in that, again, we heard from Robert Mueller directly about the things that his report suggests. And having it come from the person that actually did the report as opposed to somebody spinning it on one side or the other was important. I think a number of people who had not read the report now know at least what is suggested inside. And there were a number of things that he put out there that frankly should be troubling to a lot of different people about this president. And whether you think there's impeachable offenses there or not, or you think they should move ahead with impeachment or not, it was important to get it on the record. And so it was not a worthless experience. It was not something that we should not have done. I think it was important. Now, Robert Mueller, of course, stumbled a little bit at times because it's a 400-page report. You're not going to remember every single word in there off the top of your head. And he, of course, asked people to repeat the questions a few times. People thought this made him look like a doddering old man. And I, you know, here's something that people don't get. When you ask somebody to repeat the question, especially if it's somebody who is asking you questions that are going to be difficult to answer or that you don't want to answer, if they repeat the question, you're cutting into the five minutes that they had allotted. It's a time-stalling tactic. This guy is smart. He wasn't going to play that game. He wasn't going to do it. Could you repeat the question? He wants to make sure that he knows exactly what you asked, so he answers it in a way that is proper, doesn't get him in any trouble. Because testimony to Congress, if somebody can sit there and make an argument that maybe you changed what you said before or changed what's in the report, that you were perjuring yourself. He didn't want to do that. So I don't blame him for doing that. I thought he was just incredibly thorough in making sure that he understood the questions. And there were a couple of moments. But it's not so much what he did or how he performed. 
right? It's what was said. It's what he said in there about this president and his actions and what he didn't say in many instances. I think that there was a lot to be gained by listening to this. Like I said, I'm not upset about it. What I am upset about it is the way that the media is handling the aftermath of this. So when I first woke up this morning, there's a number of websites I go to when I get up at 5 a.m. every day. And uh, I, I go to Politico a lot. And Politico says, Pelosi rebuffs Nadler on impeachment after Mueller flop. A flop? What flop was it? He told you going in what he was going to do, and he did it. Now, again, if the Democrats who went in there thinking they were going to get some smoking gun that was going to lead to impeachment right away, it wasn't. This wasn't about doing that. This is a longer game here. This is about making sure that people recognize that this is what we found, that this is not a complete exoneration, and it's not no collusion, no obstruction. That's not what it was. He was not exonerated. There's some shady crap that went on there. Again, whether you want to push for impeachment, that's up to the Democrats to decide. But again, this was not a flop. If you were expecting him to go up there and and start doing tap dancing routines and singing, that wasn't going to happen yesterday. It's Robert Mueller. That was not going to happen. Now, the other thing that bothers me about this coverage, and you've seen a lot of that. Of course, Fox News yesterday was doing victory laps saying he looked like an old man and a guy who they used to hold up as this paragon of virtue back when he was in the Bush administration, now is somebody to be gone after. How quickly the parties will turn on each other and on people that they trust if they think it's politically advantageous. For me, it was informative to hear him say out loud, yes, that did happen. Yes, this person lied. That person lied. This person lied. They did this. I thought that was an important exercise. Because again, I don't think America read the report. I did. I'm not sure everybody did. We are not as politically astute as we used to be. This was not John Dean testifying to put the final nail in Richard Nixon's coffin. This is not what that was. But you know, the other pol- political story was Mueller disappoints Trump critics again. Well, you know what? How did he disappoint you? He put out what he put out. He put out what he found. And of course, he did also sit there and say that the President Trump refused to sit down for an interview, which counters everybody saying that the Trump administration was fully cooperative. They weren't. They weren't fully cooperative. They still have not been fully cooperative. They're not cooperating at all right now when it comes to any of these, uh, you know, any of these uh, subpoenas that are out there. The fact is, if anybody watched the Mueller testimony yesterday, it was illuminating. There was a lot of stuff in there that should give people pause, that should make people think. It doesn't mean you're necessarily going to change your vote. But you know what? We should know going in what this guy's about. I mean, the, the, the Post today, the Washington Post says, you know, Democrats now have one option to end Trump's presidency, the 2020 election. That's what I was saying yesterday. I don't see a path towards impeachment uh, that, that the Senate's going to go along with. There's no evidence there unless something comes up, uh, you know, when, when perhaps uh, they get the president's attorney to testify. But I don't know if that's going to happen. We'll see. But the media is acting as if this was a flop that this was supposed to be better political theater than it was, in which Robert Mueller basically gave up the goods on the president, and that anything short of that was a victory for the Republicans. Here is the one that really, really ticked me off this morning, and I think this was a USA Today piece, but I found it on the Freeps website, which would make sense because they are a USA Today paper, basically, and the Free Press had the story. uh, This is where I found it on their website that said, Bob Mueller said, repeat the question. And boy, did Twitter take notice. 
Well, who gives a damn what Twitter took notice of yesterday? Of course, Twitter's going to notice politics. There's all sorts of people who are into politics on Twitter, if that's the kind of stuff that you follow on Twitter. Boy, did Twitter take notice. So the Twitter reaction to Bob Mueller's asking for the question to be repeated is newsworthy? I don't think so. We are just getting worse as a journalistic community all the time in how we cover these sorts of things. There's not a ton of substantive coverage out there about what was actually said in that hearing yesterday and what was implied in that hearing yesterday. Rather, we sit there and count balls and strikes. We count who got the zingers in, who didn't. It's the same thing with political debates, and it's going to happen next week when the Democrats are here and we have all these 20 candidates. They're going to sit there and go, who got the best line and what was the best line? Instead of looking at the substance of the answers, hey, who actually had a grasp of foreign policy? Who understood health care? Which of these candidates actually was offering something of substance and actually answering the questions rather than who got in the best one-liner? I'd like to think we're smarter than this and that we can handle this kind of analysis. But, you know, don't give me clickbaity headlines designed to get me to check something out. Boy, did Twitter take notice. Oh, I better read what sick burns were on Twitter yesterday. That's not coverage. That's basically glorified man-on-the-street stuff. The Onion skewers this perfectly all the time. If BuzzFeed does it, that's one thing. That's what they do. But not USA Today, not Gannett, not Politico. Calling it a flop. Why is it a flop? Because you weren't entertained? Was it informative? Did we get any answers? Was it new? Were we expecting anything new? Was there anything in there that was different than what we had already seen in the report or has already been reported? Maybe, maybe not. That's the kind of analysis people need. But Bob Mueller told us going in that he wasn't going to stray from that report. He was going to stay within the four corners, and that's exactly what he did. And for me, the information that's in there is damning. I thought so when I first read it. I was like, wow, there's some weird stuff in here. And there's also some people that they didn't get a chance to talk to when it comes to the coordination question and the conspiracy question. But the one thing he did say yesterday, he said, look, he could be charged after leaving office, which is a pretty telling statement from a prosecutor. So there were some things that were done there yesterday that were worthwhile if you dig and go beyond the headlines and the clickbaity crap that is out there right now suggesting that somehow this was a stupid thing for the Democrats to do. I don't think anybody ever expected Bob Mueller to sit there and do this. And if you had your if you had your hopes up or thinking that this guy was going to come in and save the day, well, once less, did you ever see Bob Mueller? Any of you ever watch Bob Mueller in one of his previous congressional testimonies when he was maybe uh, looking to be the head of the FBI or, or, or something like that? Probably not. And if you did, you know that he's a pretty straight-laced guy. He doesn't stray from the script very often. He's not the type of guy like Michael Cohen that's going to come up there and throw some bombs. He's not going to do that. And so anybody that looked at him as this white knight that was going to come riding in and save us from a Trump presidency, well, no, that was never going to happen. But it doesn't mean that what happened yesterday had no value or was a flop. It was far from it. There's lots of stuff in there. And I highly encourage people, if you haven't read the report, if you didn't watch the testimony yesterday, watch it with an open mind and see what you think. Maybe you don't care. Maybe you don't think it's a big deal. Maybe it doesn't rise to any level of, of criminal behavior. But this collective shrug that we as a nation have given to this kind of stuff and also the sort of 
cheerleady or clickbaity way that the media has handled it is something that we need to think about and need to fix. I've been told on numerous occasions, oh, well, you got to title your shows in a way that are going to get people to check it out. And I get that. But, you know, I'm not going to title my things. You won't believe what he said today. We've seen those things to take you down the advertising rabbit hole on Facebook or on, on, on the Internet. Take this quiz. You won't believe what your favorite celebrity looks like now. You won't believe what she did next. Well, you know what? We will believe it. But don't let the headline dictate how you feel about what happened yesterday. Because guess what? If you do that, you're not going to get a full impression as to what exactly happened. Because it wasn't a flop. It was an important exercise in democracy. It was an investigator who did a two-year, two-year investigation into this kind of stuff, giving us his report, his take on the report. And it was important because he reiterated some very important things that took place after that election and before that election. So the one thing that did happen yesterday is that if, if people are smart and if people are willing to open their eyes, they will realize that the no collusion, no obstruction stuff, full exoneration is nonsense. There was not a full exoneration here. There's a lot of, again, kind of sleazy stuff that went on. Doesn't mean that he necessarily should be impeached for it, but this is not squeaky clean. This is not the innocent victim of a witch hunt. It is not. He brought this stuff upon himself. His people brought this upon him. You want to blame somebody, blame the people he surrounded himself with during the campaign. They're the ones that were doing this kind of stuff. Blame him for actually openly encouraging foreign interference in our election. Blame him for talking about how great WikiLeaks is. They looked into it because they saw some shady stuff. And yeah, you can sit there and complain about how the FBI agents or the legal team that Mueller put together, they were Democrats, they did this kind of stuff. Well, nobody complained when Mueller was put on. He's a lifelong Republican appointee of two Republican presidents. Nobody complained about that. He picked people for the team that knew what they could, that were good lawyers and good investigators. He said he never once asked them about their political affiliation. And you know what? You shouldn't. You shouldn't. If he would have stacked that team with a bunch of Republicans to investigate Trump, how would you feel about that? Would that be better? Or would that make the other folks think that maybe they were just going to try to bury some stuff because they support the guy? It doesn't matter. It shouldn't be a question. And if the attorneys are doing their jobs, which they are sworn to do, they take that stuff out of the equation. They can talk to each other all they want, say they don't like the guy, as long as it doesn't impact the way that they approach their job and the people they talk to and the investigation that they're doing. And there's no evidence that it did. And Inspector General's report suggested that. There was no evidence that they did. So you can listen to the types of questions, the stuff that's going on, and all the spin that is happening afterwards to say who won or lost yesterday. There's no winning or losing. The only people that have been losing in this whole thing are us as citizens because the Russians have been meddling with our election and they're trying to do so again. Now, it could be the Democrats they're shooting for next time because they want to sow discord. They want to make sure that we are not united because when we are not united, they can get away with stuff that otherwise we might be paying a little bit more attention to. Divide. That's what they want to do. A united United States is the most formidable nation on the planet by far. A divided one, far less so. That was the important thing that came out of there yesterday. They are trying to do this and they will try to do it again. In fact, they're doing it right now, Mueller said. And yet we still, 
still can't pass any bills to actually do anything about that. That's what we should all be focusing on because I don't think there's anybody out there, Trump supporter, Trump hater, anybody. I don't think there's anybody out there that thinks that Russia should be messing with our elections or any other foreign nation for that matter. If we can't get together on that, well, then maybe we do have a problem. In the meantime, if you didn't watch yesterday, go back and watch some of it. See what was actually said. But just keep an open mind because this nation is about more than one person. It always has been and it always will be. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Certainly do appreciate it. Don't forget, send me an email, thecraigfollyshow at gmail.com. I respond to those, by the way. You can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Snapchat, all those different places, and I can be reached there. So more than happy to take your suggestions, your comments, whatever. Check it out tomorrow, the week that was. Alan Langle, Nancy Derringer will be joining me once again for our roundup of the week's news. I'm sure we'll have some more to say about what happened in these hearings, uh, but a lot more as well because, again, all the Democrats, well, most of the big Democrats showed up yesterday for the NAACP, spoke a lot about that, so we'll make sure that we get into that as well. All right, have a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. It's almost Friday. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news. Also, home to Deadline Detroit TV, which includes The Zip, a weekly wrap-up of the week's news with some humor. Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news.